Welcome back to Labor Law Radio. I'm Michael Tracy, your host, and we're continuing this half hour on the issue of retaliation, and then we're going to get into non-compete clauses. Again, internet website, www.laborlawradio.com, and toll-free 888-678-7229 if you have any questions. I don't think we'll get to questions today, though. Even uh, email questions, we're running a little bit behind time as usual. And we've got two interesting cases here. The one we're talking about right now is named a Loggins v. Kaiser Permanente International. So I want to go over what on its face makes this what appears to be a great case for racial harassment. I mean, I'm sorry, racial discrimination and retaliation, and then it ultimately falls apart. So first of all, the name itself, Loomis versus Kaiser Permanente, tells you you got a defendant that has an ability to pay. Plaintiff's attorneys love that. So the next thing you have is the plaintiff's is an African-American female. So, you know, female African-American are both uh, protected uh, characteristics. So that uh, that is always good. We've talked a lot about uh, sexual harassment, uh, wrongful termination, racial discrimination, and being treated by employers, and the employers are allowed to treat you differently and, and yell at you and scream at you and do all these mean things to you unless it's based on things such as age, age, race, gender, sexual orientation, certain medical conditions, and things like that. So here we've got that. The next great thing in this case is that uh, the plaintiff worked for this company for 24 years. That is great from a plaintiff's perspective. Looking at this case, 24-year employee, African-American female, Kaiser Permanente is the defendant. I'm thinking great case. I'm, I'm drooling when this uh, when this plaintiff walks into my office. This wasn't my case, so I, I had nothing to do with this case. So in any case, sounds really good on its face. 24 years. The, the reason for that is, I mean, if you only worked six or eight months for a company, there's a whole variety of reasons they could fire you. Say, you, know, you didn't work well with others. You didn't fit into the environment. You weren't a good employee for this company, whatever it is. And you have a hard time overcoming that. But after 24 years, they kind of know what type of person you are, and you kind of get along in that culture just fine. So there's not a, a clear-cut boundary for when it takes place, but certainly two to three years is probably the minimum before you're really going to get a good uh, you know, wrongful termination case because and it also you know goes into you know when you've been at a company for 24 years and you're terminated you know your job prospects elsewhere might be rather difficult because you were so committed to that company and had spent such a long time there maybe your your marketability isn't so great if you had just joined three weeks ago and then they fired you well you're not really losing a whole lot because he would discontinue your job search and find something else so anyway 24 years another great factor for this plaintiff and then the best thing is that she was fired. Now, if you've been listening to this broadcast long enough, you know we hate constructive discharge cases. Constructive discharge is where the employer forces you to quit. Those cases are very difficult to prove. Plaintiff's attorneys hate them. So your job as a plaintiff is to make your attorney's life easier, right? Right. So when you've been working for a company for 24 years, you're covered by multiple protected characteristics, and you've been terminated from your job, you make your plaintiff's attorney very, very happy. So on its face, it sounds pretty good. And not only that, there, there's there's more. There's a, all this for only 1995. You get uh, 24 years, multiple protected characteristics, and terminated, and there's even more. 
this plaintiff had periodically complained about racial discrimination and harassment inside the company and registered these complaints with HR. So all the necessary elements are there. Uh, she had complained about it, solid uh, career history with this company, and what seems to be a bona fide claim. And then out of the blue, she is, you know, she alleges that sort of out of the blue, she was fired in retaliation for a, she actually filed a formal complaint with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and she claims that she was terminated for filing that in retaliation for, for filing that. So first of all, on its face, sounds like a great racial discrimination case turning into a great wrongful termination case because she was fired. So plaintiff's attorneys are already drooling at this point. And now she had raised these complaints and is fired because of them. And that is the retaliation issue. And as I said, retaliation is even better because even if we can't prove racial discrimination, even if we can't prove sexual harassment, if we can prove that she was terminated because she simply alleged these things. So even if we ultimately lose on them because she did allege them and that is a protective activity, all we have to do is show that this termination was either retaliation for complaining about it and will win on retaliation or we can show it was uh, actual racial discrimination and we can win on that or we can say it so it was some type of hostile environment where they, where they terminate her for her uh, for her gender, we can win on that. So we have a number of ways to win in this case. It sounds really good. And I gave away the ending to this case at the beginning of the show. The plaintiff loses. Not only does she lose, she loses on summary judgment. So summary judgment is not a jury trial. That is where basically the defendant says to the judge, Your Honor, there's no real dispute in this case. We know what happened to the defendant, uh, to the plaintiff. We know when she complained about her racial discrimination. We know what happened after that. And we're not arguing factually what happened. But given those facts, and we're going to accept all these facts as true, the plaintiff does not have a legal claim to stand on. A great example of of a summary judgment would be where you say, I went into uh, work one day, my boss flipped a coin and says, if this coin comes up heads, I'm going to fire you. Coin turned up heads and uh, I was fired. Well, you know from listening to this broadcast, California's an at-will state. They can terminate you for any time, uh, for any reason or no reason at all. And that would certainly be no reason at all. Essentially a random you know, flip of a coin. It is not a protected characteristic. Being randomly terminated is does not entitle you to, to a claim and you can simply go, your honor, absolutely, we agree. We flipped a coin, and then we fired the guy. But that does not entitle them to any damages, any restitution, anything like that. Of course, if you had a contract that says we're going to guarantee you three years of employment, that would be different. But for the vast majority of people in California, that would be a great example of summary judgment. You bring a case that essentially has no merit. Now, in this case, we're going to get into why her case had no merit. And once you start looking at the facts in this case, you see it start to fall apart. But essentially... She was, the defendant claimed and ultimately prevailed on the idea that she wasn't claimed because of these repeated allegations of racial discrimination. Those repeated allegations had happened months in the past and years in the past. The most recent one was nine months prior to her termination. Not only that, but there wasn't any clear record of one of the complaints that uh, that she had made. She said she called it into a, a tip line 
you know, to a complaint line at the company, but the company never had any record of this complaint. For the ones that she did raise, the company investigated all of them and uh, and got back to her. In her 24-year history, she had a solid history of performance raises, good performance reviews. In fact, the final performance review before she was terminated, she was given one of the highest ratings uh, available for the performance review and was given a 4% raise, which I guess for the company was considered, you know, slightly above average. So why would they take somebody that they're giving these stellar performance reviews and then suddenly terminate them? You know, as a plaintiff's attorney, you're thinking retaliation. Great case. Great performance review. Files a uh, complaint with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and gets terminated. Great uh, retaliation claim. Wrong. Case falls apart there. What happened was one of her coworkers made an anonymous call to this same complaint line or some similar you know reporting line inside the company and said what uh, diane is doing is running a side business here while she's in the company now we said before your number one enemy in any type of employment case whether it's discrimination even unpaid overtime certainly sexual harassment is going to be your coworkers you must always assume that every single one of your coworkers is going to testify against you and in this case it wasn't testimony it was simply an anonymous tip they gave this person up and what they claimed she was doing was running this side business of hers while she was on company time while she was on the clock now that in itself probably enough to terminate her but you could have still said well you know other people do other you know similar types of things not everybody spends every minute of their day thoroughly devoted to uh, company activities joe over here is maintaining his myspace web pages while he's on company time sally over here is uh you know reading the latest uh, Michael Tracy labor law blog entries while she's uh, while she's supposed to be doing company work and you could prevail with some claim like that but unfortunately what she did is outright lie about it and she said I never do anything non-company related on the job and then the company produced a bunch of documents from her computer that showed she was regularly saving these uh, files on her disk drive and I think she looked at the files and then came up with the date stamp on them and said oh those are all old nothing I did at the company past 2002 was related to uh, this other job I had and this retaliation had taken place I believe in 2004 so she was saying she had stopped that side activity in 2002 now it's 2004 she's being terminated that's ridiculous so much like the Austin Powers movie, where they simply pull out additional evidence, now they give some more files and say, well, what about these files here that have timestamps of 2003 and 2004? And not only that, it wasn't simply one or two files. It was hundreds of files. The massive, basically, her entire computer was devoted to running this side business that uh, she, was, uh, she was running. It was some type of a community living center or some totally unrelated, uh, maybe ancillarily rated. It wasn't directly competing as a hospital or something like that, but it was some side business. And not only was she using her computer to, you know, write up documents and email contracts back and forth, but she listed the primary contact number phone number for this side business as her direct line at kaiser permanente so the competing business 
the main phone number listed on its stationery and its website and to contact her was actually her line at Kaiser Permanente. So that is just a clear indication that you are not spending all of your time on the employer's business. Your main phone line is listed as your, what is supposed to be your Kaiser Permanente line. So the other thing she was doing, too, that she was using the, uh, the copier, the email, the fax machine to, to print up marketing material for this uh, side business that she was running and distributing this stuff, uh, you know, using uh, all the materials from Kaiser Permanente. The Kaiser Permanente was basically funding the marketing efforts of this, uh, this side business. And she lied about all of that. And the judge simply said, that is enough to terminate someone. This is clearly not retaliation because, one, you raised your, your, uh, sex, I'm sorry, your racial discrimination claim nine months ago. You were terminated after an anonymous caller called into the tip line. And this tip line was essentially run by some, some type of obensman organization at Kaiser Permanente, and they logged all the calls. And the judge believed that it was a legitimate anonymous caller that had reported all this activity, and it was devastating to her case. So maybe there was racial discrimination in this case. Uh, maybe there was some of the, uh, the stuff that she, maybe there was retaliation, but it was completely destroyed by an entirely dishonest plaintiff uh, doing entirely illegal conduct. While you are at work and that employer is paying your salary, you do owe the employer a duty of loyalty. And that means that you are doing your best to further the interest of that employer. They are paying you, and that's what the law requires. So when you're off doing the side business, certainly they're allowed to terminate you for that. And you do see that in these cases where people bring unpaid overtime cases, people bring racial discrimination cases, that what happens is... If the management does it, if the management sing, singles you out and decides to conduct this extraneous investigation against you, you might have a retaliation claim. It's going to be a lot harder if they turn something up, but if they turn up some frivolous stuff and try to manufacture stuff against you, you're going to have a pretty good case. What I've seen happen in a couple cases that I've handled, and in this particular case that I didn't handle, was that it upsets other employees in the company. And that's why we say you have to assume that every single employee all your coworkers, even if they used to be your best friends, they're going to turn against you because they see you as attacking them. They work for this company, and any money that you get from a lawsuit has to come from somewhere. It's going to come from their raise. It's going to come from their bonus. It's going to come from their pension. You know, whatever is going to be given, um, it's going to come from somewhere, and they see it as coming from them. So. You got to be careful of, uh, of other employees, and if you're building, you know, if you feel you have a discrimination, harassment, wrongful termination claim, uh, in this one, employee followed uh, uh, the maxim here to never, never, never quit, write it out to the bitter end, gives you a better case, but also, while you're writing it out at the company, make sure you're being a good employee, make sure you're following the rules and regulations to the extent that you can. Obviously, if they're making you jump through hoops and everything like that, you don't have to bend over backwards for them. But don't have, I think somewhere in there was said 80% of her hard drive was devoted to the files of her side business. So you don't see a whole lot of people running side businesses out there. But what you do see a whole lot of is MySpace accounts, MP3 files. We had one place where I worked, they had you know, roughly 95% of their hard drive was illegal pirated MP3 files. 
and piracy will get you terminated. That is a great after acquired evidence. A lot of companies have you know strict policies against that, and you can get slammed for illegal pirated files on your on your computer. Pornography, don't keep it on your work computer. I know it sounds ridiculous to, to say, but we have a number of cases where people stupidly keep pornography on their work computers. That is just the stupidest thing that you can do. And it can take a good case like this uh, Loggins versus Kaiser Permanente could have been and turns it into an absolutely horribly losing case. And it's going to be very frustrating for you and even more unfortunately, frustrating for your attorney, because remember, your job as a plaintiff is to make your attorney's life uh, easier. So in any case, that was the uh, retaliation claim, uh, an interesting case because it shows you know, the strength of retaliation cases and what can go wrong with them, and unfortunately, what goes wrong with a lot of you know, employment cases, and that is the employee is not entirely forthcoming with their attorney or, you know, so these facts sort of come out later and based on how it looks like it played out, that's sort of what uh, what happened. So in any case, an interesting one, though a disappointing result, but that's unfortunately what happens a lot of times in employment law. You have to try the case that you have, not the one that you, that you wish you had. So the next thing I want to cover is non-compete clauses in California. This is a very misunderstood topic because unlike meal breaks that it seems like nobody's heard of, it seems like everybody I talk to repeats uh, like some mantra, non-compete clauses are illegal in California. And that's true to an extent, but there's a variety of things where they can be legal. Now, the specific law says except as provided in this chapter, you know, which is business and professions, uh, section 16600, every contract by which anyone is restrained from engaging in a lawful profession, trade, or business of any kind is to that extent void. So the exceptions in the statute generally talk about uh, business owners that sell their business, things like that, aren't applicable to the average Joe just out there as an employee. But it's not so strict as to say anything that restricts employment is going to be illegal. It has to be something that restricts your trade or business or, or profession, uh, and it's not simply going to be an inconvenience. It has to be something that's going to be substantial, and the employers do have interests that are protected by this law as well. So you frequently hear non-competes are illegal in California, but we're going to get into the exceptions to that. The number one that you see, especially in the technology industry, is trade secrets. If you've acquired trade secrets from one company that would inevitably be disclosed to another company that you go to work for, you can be prohibited from going to that uh, work to that other company. We'd seen that with the Microsoft Google uh, controversy. Generally, that only applies to high level people who have these these trade secrets. You're not going to get a lot of that, you know, for truck drivers or, or things like that. But for high level executives that do have uh, trade secrets, the company is allowed to uh, restrict you in that way. Another thing that is not allowed is unfair competition. And this is usually takes the form of raiding the other company. You are allowed to compete in California. And when you look at the labor laws in California, a lot of them simply promote fair and equitable competition. That is, contracts that aren't unduly burdensome, contracts that encourage people to try to succeed, contracts that don't unduly penalize people. That's what California law promotes. And this particular law promotes that as well. 
So raiding your competitor, basically taking all their key personnel and stripping them away from that company will be illegal because that's not the type of businesses we want in this state. We want businesses that are going to offer a product and another business that's going to offer a better, faster, and cheaper product, and that's how we want competition taking place. We don't want company A to go out of business because company B raided all the key people and we're left with only one product that's made by the exact same people that we're making over at company A. That doesn't benefit anybody. So what we're promoting in California is fair and open competition. So rating is uh, uh, is illegal and can be uh, prohibited. Another thing that can be prohibited is direct solicitation of certain employees. Now, in the case I'm going to talk about today, which is called VL Systems versus uh, Unison, it's an interesting case because what happened was this isn't a case of employee versus employer. This is a case of employer versus employer. Now, what happened was the ultimate employer, uh, Unison, basically hired somebody that worked for VL Systems, the consulting company, and they hired him directly for this company. Now, when the, I'll call it the vendor and the consulting company, or, or the, uh, uh, the employer and the consulting company. So when the employer hired the consulting company, this employee didn't actually work for them. They, they worked for somebody else. But they signed an agreement that said, you won't hire any of our employees. And this trick has been used by employers to sort of get around this non-compete agreement. So it's generally been accepted that when I sign up with consulting company X, if I sign something that says, I won't compete with you, I won't go behind your back and go to that other employer, I won't go uh, work for other consulting companies out there, that type of non-compete is generally illegal. There are some exceptions to it, but generally, generally illegal. But what employers have been doing to get around that is saying, well, we aren't restricting the employee. We just have a contract with the other employer that says that other employer will not hire our people. And so that's not restricting anybody's trade, but that employers and these employees don't have a right. They don't have a cause of action for that. And that's the way employers have been getting around that for a long time. And that's why this case is so important, because it said, at least for the, the facts that were given in this case, that contract is illegal. It doesn't matter if the trade that is being restricted is being restricted by a contract between employers or a contract by employees, you can't simply change the parties and achieve the same illegal result. And that's why this case was so important, because it essentially clarifies that issue in a number of employers and you know consulting companies have been using that guys to keep you from going to work for somebody else. So you know one of the things that will be allowed, though, is where the consulting company has spent a lot of time and money on your training or your education or something like that and they have added some value into this relationship so if you're hired by a consulting company and they train you in this new skill and then you immediately go on and are hired by some other company that that had an agreement with that consulting company you may have some problems because if those two had a relationship between them they could prohibit that type of rating where they're essentially taking advantage of somebody else's uh, time, effort, and money in training you up to speed. But the facts of this case, the VL Systems versus Unison, were that 
this person was simply hired for a matter of weeks. He wasn't really given any training. No special skills were derived from this arrangement. It was sort of just this pass-through, headhunter type of arrangement. And there's been a lot of that going on in California. And I feel it's been detrimental to industry in California. You essentially have these headhunters that are just scraping money off the top, not really adding any value. And the only way they keep people in line are these course of contracts that say, you can't go to the employer directly. You have to go through us and let us take a significant portion of your income. And especially in the technology field, a lot of computer programmers and technological consultants are completely unaware of how much money these employers are taking off the top. You know, a lot of cases, I've seen cases where the employer takes 50%. So the person's getting paid, let's say, $50 an hour. The employer is billing them out at $100 an hour. You know, there's plenty of other cases where it's, it's even more than that. So that type of thing will be illegal if it is deriving, you know, sort of stealing the training and everything that somebody else did. Um, the other thing that will be illegal or that this court sort of hinted at could be illegal is active solicitation. So if the employer goes out, doesn't raid, but strongly solicits and says, hey, you know, come to us, we'll pay you more money, let's backdoor these people. And if it is active solicitation like that, that can be determined to be illegal. But the court specifically said in this case, what the employer did was simply post an ad on Monster or some other job search. The employee just applied to the job just like he applied to everything else. There was no direct solicitation of this employee. He was ultimately accepted for the position, and that was deemed to be legal. So that's generally what you see. The employer will post something out there. You'll see it and say, well, that's a good job. I'd be very qualified for that because I worked for that company in the past. And it appears that that, uh, that that is going to be legal now and that the contract between those two companies will not prohibit that. So this was a California appellate court decision. So it's not the California Supreme Court, which would be great, but it is pretty good, better than a trial court decision. And so that, uh, that case will be, uh, will be pretty uh, will definitely help employees in, in California. So that's about all I wanted to cover there. A few other things I want to talk about that are definitely illegal in this in this area, and then we'll wrap up, is that if the employer, you know, the, the consulting company has a contract with you that prohibits you from going somewhere else or has you forfeit some benefit, there's been specifically cases where your vested retirement benefits would disappear if you went and worked for a competitor or one of the uh, uh, the other employers in this uh, relationship, that has specifically been held to be illegal. If there's any type of monetary payback, if you have to go through this and it's, it's far too excessive to be fair, then that is, is also going to be held to Ill be illegal. So that's, uh, that's basically a nutshell of this recent development in, in unfair competition law and uh, non-solicitation agreements. The general rule in California is that uh, unfair uh, that uh, non-solicitation agreements are illegal, but uh, you do have cases of trade secrets, uh, rating, excessive direct solicitation, uh, things like that that, uh, that still are illegal in California, and the employer can use that to uh, prevent you from going to work for somebody else. So that's all the time that we have for this week. Uh, we'll have uh, another show next week. And if you, again, if you have any questions, just uh, email www.laborlawradio.com. There's a link on there for the email. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks. This broadcast has been a commercial advertisement of the law office of Michael Tracy. Not meant to be legal advice. It's not a certain established attorney client relationship. Any statements made during this broadcast are relevant to swear or not guarantees of the outcome. Michael Tracy is licensed as an attorney only in California.